0: So, check that out. Finally, if there are any topics, guests you'd like to hear from, questions you want answered, or if you'd like to appear on the podcast, just send me an email to robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get rolling. Hey, guys, we're back. Obviously, I'm Rob Kalvaroski. I'm here with Joe Anderson and George Williams from Reliability X. Guys, how are you doing today?
1: doing really good Rob thank you for having us on doing awesome thanks
0: Rob no thanks for coming on again I mean you guys have been on I guess now it's the third or fourth time so it's it's been really fun and and definitely learned a lot from both of you so I'm excited about that and I'm excited to have you guys both on now do you, you guys are putting out a bunch of content across audio written video forms you want to give us a rundown of everything that you're putting out and where we can find it
1: Oh yeah, so there's a bunch, and I'm sure Joe's going to chime in because I'll miss some because um he's the smart one. We share a brain, so um so we have a YouTube channel uh for uh for a couple of different video types. Um, we have uh, reliability ex- examples, which kind of walks through really brief videos, uh, just quick five minute segments that explain one individualized topic. Uh, we also have the reliability experience, which are longer videos, um, and we'll we can kind of talk about those in a second. We're hoping to expand on that uh, to some extent. We also have a podcast, which is through Anchor, and available on all major podcast uh, platforms, which is called Practical Reliability. Joe has been producing uh, an Alexa uh, reliability excellence tips, did uh, DNA of success tips, which come out uh, through your Alexa device. So if you Look for the Skill Reliability X DNA of Success. You can add that to your skill set, and if you tell Alexa to play that, Alexa will play what your daily rundown is, and that will include our tip. Uh, What am I missing, Joe?
2: We also have the Captain Reliability uh, monthly articles in plant services, um, as well as regularly contributing to all different Sorts of magazines, uh, just writing articles and things like that. But all those resources can be found on our website at ReliabilityX.com. Uh, we have it under the media resources.
0: Awesome! You guys got a lot of stuff. I I, I do like the Alexa app. I, I've been. I mean, I have my own as well, but it's it's not got a lot of listeners to it.
1: <laughs> I don't think I checked the analytics yet, but I listen, so that's 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 good. <laughs>
0: that's one baby oh yes
2: yeah i think it takes time and uh, we haven't promoted it a lot
1: yeah even even the podcasts and the videos you know they start out with you know 15 20 folks and it takes a few months to start getting some steam you know it's not uh, you don't put it out in the next week you're getting a thousand hits so uh, well maybe you did but but we didn't
0: No, we're not at a thousand hits. Uh I think right now for the the listeners to this podcast, it's around one hundred and forty to one hundred and fifty, at least in the first you know couple of weeks of release. So it's it's been more than I expected, to be honest. That's not bad. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, for me, if you look at it, if you look at it in terms of like a conference, you're getting three to four times what you get in the room at a conference. So it's it's good.
1: Yeah, I I, I like it. You know what? And it's it's. I don't know. I think for Joe and I, it's it's a lot about giving back to a community that has always been open and, you know, sharing your expertise and and triggering conversations. And I think that's kind of why we do that. You know, we we put the content out there and actually hope that people will comment and hope that people will chime in and say, well, I disagree with that. I think I I think, you know, a slightly different approach. And and I've had some conversations that have gone back and forth to that extent. And, uh, you know, at the end of it, you both learn something. And, and so I think that's kind of what our goal is.
0: Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that's definitely the goal. It's, it's like a lot of content producers, I think they, or at least I've heard that they're looking like their, the discussions that they have, they they turn into kind of hate or that kind of stuff. But I haven't gotten that at all. Like most people who comment, even if they don't agree with the idea, they, they bring something to it. They just don't say, oh, that's wrong. And then you can, you can learn something from them as well.
2: I like haters. <laughs>
1: We could add to your hate list, <laughs> probably. We could we could be
2: the ones that, you know. Yeah, I, I can make fun of you. and
0: <laughs> So, I mean, the one reason, like one thing I wanted to have you guys on today to talk a little bit about personal development. And the reason, you know, I asked both of you on was, Joe, you were talking about it during your presentation and your keynote at the Ultrasound World Conference. So do you want to just give us a little background and and just like why did you decide to talk about personal development at Ultrasound World?
2: Well, there's a couple of reasons and, you know, it's kind of my philosophy, but I've been into personal development myself for many years, whether it was when I owned a restaurant or or through my management career. And uh, I just think it's an area that uh, within our space isn't talked about a lot. And there's two areas, and that's personal development and the business side of what we do. So I try to focus on those areas that not a lot of people are talking about, um, in hopes that you know, I can add value back to everybody that I, that I speak to. So. Um, I think we focus a lot on the technical side and trying to understand all the technical things. And I think we do a pretty good job of that. I just don't think that we spend a lot of time on personal development or development of others. Um, So that's kind of the reason why I, I went that approach this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was pretty interesting. And it was also interesting that Nancy Regan talked a little bit about it herself as well and and actually one thing that uh, i was listening to a podcast this morning and it was it's run by the the people who wrote the book the one thing and and their whole concept is essentially is prioritization and aligning the things that you do towards your future goal or your future vision of yourself and the one thing i wanted to bring up was the guy said he said that goals are not things that you should attain, what they are is they define what appropriate action is for you today. And I thought that was a really interesting point that he made.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that to a certain extent. Um, But at the same time, you know, you set a vision, I guess the vision would be more what you're trying to attain. And the goals are your steps to get there. So I guess I would agree with that. Yeah, it's a good way to put it
0: yeah I thought it was really interesting because I mean, throughout my career, I've seen companies and their vision or their goals, depending on who you talk to, some of them they set these goals. they're called like hot targets or huge outrageous targets and it it's it's always i want to be world class maintenance or I want to make you know a hundred million dollars a year, but they don't change what they do on a daily basis to actually map to those goals. And I think that that's the the one step that's missing that you know the statement of appropriate action for today it actually bridges that gap
1: so there there's a there's a, a an awful lot of you know whether they are business self help or or just personal self help books that speak a lot around how those goals drive your actions and that you should always be centrally thinking, you know, internally asking yourself, is what I'm about to do helping to achieve that goal or not, right? And is it the the next step in helping to achieve that? And I think, you know, for the last 50 years, when when you see those business books or those self-help books, it's really just another lens to look through the same, look at the same um, steps to achieve. You know, there's not there's not a whole lot of innovation that happens with the next book that says set a goal and take the steps that you need to, to achieve that goal. Right. There's, there's a lot of varieties and ways to do that, but ultimately that's, that's what you're doing. You know, when you, you, you look at how athletes manage this, they, they oftentimes visualize, they go through a visualization exercise of what they're going to do during the game. and, and, and then their goal is to in practice make sure that they are doing the right things to help make that vision a success. And I think that's the same thing, whether it's business or maintenance and reliability, you're setting the stage for what your vision is for yourself. And then you've got to prioritize and take the appropriate actions. Nobody wants to do wind sprints, but if you're not doing wind sprints, you know, you're not getting down the floor very fast. So um, you know, you've got to put the legwork in. And I think the gap, the the gap between your vision and today tends to be a stopping point. And a lot of what, you, what, what you're saying and, and, and the folks who, who wrote the book you mentioned are saying is that don't look at the end vision necessarily. Just ask yourself whether or not the next step right in front of you is in that right direction. And if it's in that right direction and you take it, you should celebrate that. You know, if you have a, a goal to lose 50 pounds and you lose five, you don't kick yourself and say, well, I, I didn't lose the 50. You, you pat yourself on the back for the five and take the next action that's going to get you the next five.
0: Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent, and it, and it's like, you know, it, to me it's it's that kind of that same idea. Like you you build a pyramid one brick at a time, or or whatever you're doing. Like at some point you have to you actually have to take action. Like it's nice to set a goal, but if if all you're doing is setting a goal, you you're never going to achieve anything. Like Michael Jordan didn't fall down the stairs and become the best basketball player of all time. Like he put in countless hours of work every day.
2: Yeah, I think that's kind of the point they're making is is one is taking action, but the other one is realistic goals. If you set a goal that at one year I want to play like Michael Jordan, you're never going to attain that. You're going to disappoint yourself. It's not realistic. But if you say, I want to, you know, become better at basketball, you know, and I'll continue to work to become a Michael Jordan over a period of years. That's, that's attainable and realistic. I think the point they're trying to get across is sometimes we set unattainable goals and unrealistic expectations that we get down on ourselves when we don't accomplish those things. And so that's why, you know, the, the, uh, development plan, um, that We'll talk about it in a little bit. That's why I break it down into a vision, your goals, and then objectives to attain the goals, and then tasks that have to be attained to reach the objectives, right? So that you're giving yourself a roadmap. It's not just, I set 10 goals and I'm finished. It's you have a roadmap of tasks that you need to do in order to attain the goal that you set for
0: yeah, and like we're there. I mean, let's let's talk about that. So you you did share with me your development plan framework, and you, as you mentioned, it's it's divided into vision statement, goals, objectives, and tasks. So why don't we start off with the vision because obviously it's the first thing on plan. Do you want to just give us a breakdown of like what a vision should be? What's what's an example of one? Like what should we be looking for?
2: So a vision, uh, a vision sets forth a future state in which, uh, you want to attain, right? So an example would be, I mean, you could say, I want to have a world-class maintenance department. You could definitely say that. So, but then you have to break down that vision into eatable parts, right? And you do that through setting goals. And so you set certain goals. If I want to have a world-class maintenance department, what are the things that make up a world-class maintenance department? Well, I have to be best in class with my PDM program. I have to be best in class with my PM program. Right? I have to be best in class with my operational reliability. I have to be best, you know. So you start, you, you set this big vision of a future state, and then you just start breaking it down into chunks. So that by the time you get down to the tasks, it's just a roadmap of things that as you complete those, it gets you one step closer to attaining the vision. For me, a lot of companies like to set a vision and they stick with that vision for 65 years, which in my eyes means they never attained it, which means they're never changing or there's no new innovation. There's no new motivation uh, for me, a vision is something that's five years or less, and your work you work backwards from there, and every five years, you should be setting a new vision
1: and it has to be defined enough that people can understand, it, right? Um, you know it can't be as generic as we're gonna be the best or you know we're gonna be benchmark, whatever that means we're gonna we're gonna be the number one company that makes rubber dog crap, you know like Define number one. Are you going to be number one in sales? Number one in profit? Number one in in you know in in your your economic in your uh, energy footprint? You know what what is it that people are trying to strive for? And I think some of the some of the reasons visions either become stagnant, Joe, as you mentioned, or or people are are not necessarily driving to attain it is because it's not a clear enough understanding as to how they impact that, and a lot of times that. Leans back towards it's just not defined well enough, and and I don't mean it needs to be a book, it, it should be two sentences, but but it needs to be clear enough that people can understand and and it creates an identity of where the organization is going to be five years from now and who they're going to be five years from now.
0: So from the organizational point of view, like who sets the vision, or do we need like do we need to facilitate it? Do we need to get buy in from everyone, or how does that work?
1: I, I think there's a vision at multiple levels inside the organization. I, I think senior leadership certainly sets the vision based on what they're looking for the organization to, to become, um, you know, within that five year time period or, or you know, potentially shorter or longer. Um, but that has to get translated downwardly. And I think that if your if your vision as an organization is to be the number one producer of, you know, canned corn how does that translate down to the maintenance organization i you know i think the maintenance organization needs a vision as well and i think the the finance team needs a, needs a vision as well and i think i think each of those major departments needs a vision that aligns aligns to that company or or organizational vision because without that you know that it all falls apart if each and every employee cannot make a direct connection to that vision and and you had mentioned and talked about goals and setting a vision and, and attaining goals being what drives your your prioritization of actions. And that's no different in the organizational environment. And if the vision is a disconnect for me sweeping the floor, then I don't know that my actions are trying to strive for that vision. But if if I, I, if there's a very clear vision for my organization and I understand how I contribute, then I can prioritize my work better because I, I can make choices around whether or not it's busy work or whether or not it's trying to achieve the vision.
0: And, and that to me is where the real power comes from in defining all this stuff is it gives you the ability to say no to things that aren't helping you achieve your your vision or your goals. I would agree. I guess, I guess for me, the big thing that I want kind of people to take out from this is at least do it for yourselves. Like you may not be able to, if you're the lowest level, your entry level position, you may not be able to affect a vision of the company or that kind of stuff, but you'll be able to apply this thought process within your own life. And even you could do it within your own career as well. Any, do you guys have any like thoughts on, like where do people get started? Like how do they start thinking about this stuff?
2: Well, first is an understanding of what leadership is, right? And leadership is influence. So it doesn't matter what level of the organization you're in, it's your ability to influence others, right? So in your professional career, if you're at the bottom, and you say that there's nothing you can do, that's because you don't understand leadership and the need for influence, right? So I would start there, understanding leadership and how you can go out and develop your influence and your sphere of influence and and work your way up that way. A vision for yourself if you're one that wants to be promoted or wants to be you know higher up in the organization then that would be a vision for yourself and you want to define it well and you don't want to go from zero to ceo in a year because that won't happen but you progress in steps right maybe you want to go from a mechanic to a supervisor um, which is a vision you can set for yourself all right what are the things that i need to do what are the goals that i need to attain to attain that vision and then like i said break it down from there but you definitely have to be a person of influence is, is number one. Number two is your ability to communicate and develop other people. And so as you're learning, the way I always did it coming up was as I was learning, I would go out and try to teach everybody that would listen. And that's kind of how I started developing my influence on the shop floor is I would learn something, a new skill or a new trade or whatever, and I would try to teach everybody I could teach so that I'm bringing them up with me. And eventually, you develop enough influence that people are coming to you for answers instead of the management team. Or your management team's coming to you for answers, right? And eventually, you get recognized as long as you continue to do what you should be doing you will be recognized i think the other
1: piece of that too joe is that you so you set a vision you jot down the tasks but you've got to you've got to create motivation for yourself so you you know there's got to be a a vision of something that you actually desire you know some folks will say, "Okay, well, I want to, I want to lose that weight," but then they're they're not really motivated to go make that happen. So you got to bridge the gap between that motivation. You've got to you've got to list the benefits of achieving that goal and document that on paper and and see that. You know, there's there's a, an awful lot of studies and white papers around doc, you know, writing down your goal and how much more likely you are to achieve it that way. But you've got to create motivation whether you whether you create it falsely by giving yourself a reward for getting tasks done somehow you know i'm going to buy myself that big screen tv if i you know finish these two books there's got to be some motivating factor if you're not already self motivated to achieve those things people are self motivated for a lot of reasons but they're not connecting their own personal development to the, to their motivations
2: But if you're not self-motivated to achieve the goal, then why would you set the vision for yourself in the first place? If you're not passionate about doing so. People do that all the time. Yeah, I understand. That's why they never attain it. Right? So you have to shift priorities and shift focus onto what it is you truly want to do with yourself. And it could be outside of your professional development. Maybe I'm working this job to help me uh, finance, uh, another career, another hobby or whatever. Right. But everybody's motivated by something. The question is, 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 are you motivated to do what you are telling others that you want to do? And most of that's because they're not driven in that way. They're driven to something else.
1: Or, or they're driven short term, right? And Which led us into you talking about breaking it down and compartmentalizing things into much smaller objectives
2: that's yeah you usually get demotivated if you can't see right and the only way that we see is with a map right you're lost without a map and you have to have a map and that's why you break it down and that's why the development plan gets so huge because you set 10 goals and then you're doing five object objectives for each of those 10 goals or or 10 objectives for each of those 10 goals and then you're doing tasks for each of the objectives now all of a sudden it's 16 pages instead of just one page of a vision and some goals but you have a roadmap and as long as you stick your nose to the grindstone and follow your roadmap you're definitely going to progress and that's why I do it the way I do and I think another piece of that is becoming an intentional learner I think a lot A lot of people think that if I just put time in, I'm going to learn. But I think we all know people that <laughs> we could say that that isn't the case. right? I mean, there's different reasons for it. But you have to intentionally, and there's times you have to force yourself to learn stuff. There's stuff that I know that I really didn't want to know, but I had to know because it was either a part of my job or something that I wanted to do. And so, you know, closing the knowledge gap and, you know, and then the third piece would be overcoming fear. I think fear is, is, and I think a lot of fear is created because of the lack of vision, their inability to see because they don't have a map, right? If you have a map, you know where you're going, you're a lot less anxious than if I just say get in the car and drive to this point over here and you don't have your GPS, you don't have a map, right? You're a little more anxious than if you have the GPS in your hand that's guiding you and helping you get there.
0: Yeah, I think there's I mean there's a lot to unpack there. Fear fear is definitely one. One thing I was actually talking to or about with a couple of friends of mine, obviously like they don't work in Reliability engineering or anything like that. But we were talking on the weekend about some of the, like they also in their industries, they have problems with change as well. And they have things like people understand that there's, they're not happy with where they are right now, but they're unwilling to change. And I think that's, it it comes back to that fear, right? Like even though you may not be happy, there is some comfort into, Doing the same thing or or sort of knowing what's going to happen, and I think people like that, and it it takes a lot to kind of step out of that comfort zone, if you will.
1: Well, that's part of personal development, right? I mean, not you know, folks that are in our industry, not all of them are the analytical person that wants to calculate probabilities of failure, and some of them are afraid to speak in front of people, but they'll calculate probabilities of failure all day. Unfortunately, to be, you know, truly successful in this arena, you need both of those skill sets and, you you know, you, you've got to get out of your comfort zone and develop skills that you didn't necessarily think you were going to need when you, when you got in this, in this space.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, like I'm in that boat, a hundred percent. I agree a hundred percent. And that was me.
1: I'm glad you finally figured out how to calculate reliability. No, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> 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 I still don't. So no wonder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm good with one coin flip <laughs> That one i'm good with <laughs> No, but it's it's true, right? I mean we've we've got to do things that That stretch our our comfort zone a little bit. You've got to just like you're going to work out You've got to flex some muscle. So you've got to you've got to either strengthen your brain by exercising it or strengthen your Your entire repertoire as a professional by stretching out a little bit and you know, it's it's uh but that's part of the journey and that's what makes it so much fun
0: if i've learned anything from p90x it's all about muscle confusion
2: (laughs) i don't know any successful person who thinks that growth and climbing to the top and all this stuff comes quickly they know it's a battlefield it's a war with yourself and and all the change that has to be made but they also know that they can create their own luck right through hard work and dedication and so you know we they call it luck but really there's a formula to that right the formula to luck is preparation attitude opportunity and action those four things create luck right and so it's because it creates opportunity it, it allows you to grow and so it's not really luck, but we call it luck as a joke, but it's those things, preparation, which means your growth and all, all the prep that you have to go through, having the positive attitude and trying not to be negative, although it's difficult, especially in the world we live in today, when values, different value sets clash, it, it, it gets to be difficult. And then opportunity, you have to look for opportunity right you you go out and you you take the opportunity uh, people are offered opportunities all the time in different aspects but understanding how to see those and taking advantage of them is something different and then taking action which is just going out and doing something about it
1: you mean i can't sit at home and just i can't sit at home and just say if i could only hit the lottery i'd be
2: successful that that doesn't work hey hey people do it all the time but they but, <laughs> Yeah,
1: I know, but that's but that's the trouble, right? If they spend the amount of energy they spend negatively thinking about the luck they don't have, um, focused on achieving something, that they would create that luck.
2: Yeah. Well, everybody can be successful. Everybody can, but only a few are, and that's the reason why.
0: And I guess it's just jumping off there, George, the last thing I kind of want to hit on is it's that positivity versus negativity mindset. And, and like, to me, you know, I, I've stopped watching the news. I've sort of taken everything negative as best as I can out of my ears and out of my sight and really focused on things that are pushing me forward, positivity, you know, interactions like this, where we're having a great discussion and, just like really trying to surround myself with positivity because to me, I think if you immediately think that whatever you do is going to end poorly, you're never going to do anything. And a lot of this self-improvement, this pushing yourself forward, it it kind of starts with the things will be better if I take this step. And if I make if I take all these steps, like those task lists, if I can cross off all these tasks over the next five years, I'm gonna end up somewhere awesome. And that to me is is really just the first fundamental piece is what's your mindset like? Are you happy? Are you are you thinking that stuff that you're gonna do is gonna turn out or not?
1: Yeah, I think there's there's a a couple of aspects to that. You know, first and foremost, you know, you make your own attitude every single morning when you wake up. You get to decide whether or not you're gonna have a good attitude or not. And and there's a lot of folks that kind of allow life to dictate their attitude as opposed to their attitude dictating their life and and you know there's a there's a big difference between the two of those things and one is a self-motivating driving factor behind who you become you know we as human beings we are our own worst enemy when it comes to success 100 we we create internal fear and our minds stop us from doing so many things and, and being successful. And and at some point you've got to I guess there's not really a better way to say this, stop listening to yourself and just take actions. But wake up with a good attitude every morning, choose that attitude every day and 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 make it a driving and motivating factor and live your life to a certain extent fearless. You know, that doesn't mean start jumping off buildings and and you know have a lot of confidence that you'll land on your feet. You've got to do things sensibly but but the fear of taking that step that we're uncomfortable with stops our success dramatically.
2: Yeah, I mean the mind is a powerful thing and we all know that. I yeah, I think Confucius said it the best, right? Those who think they can and those who think they can't are both usually right. Right? So, it's about your mental state. If if you wake up every day and look in the mirror and tell yourself you're never going to be great. You're never going to be great. Right? But if you get up and you tell yourself, even if it's hard for you to do, you know, you look at yourself and, and and love yourself. Right? Not in a conceited way. But be content with who you are and utilize the tools that you were given. And tell yourself that you can do this. You know, I mean, anybody can get out of that. Funk. Hey Joe.
1: You're good enough. You're smart enough. And gosh darn it people like you. Yes.
2: Yes. I know. That's what I do every day. I every single day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm big enough. I'm good enough. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I spend 22 minutes every day in the mirror telling myself I'm good enough.
1: <laughs> spend five minutes over the toilet hurling. <laughs> now, it, but it, you know, what Joe brings up is true. I mean, you've got to have some, some belief in yourself and that comes through experiences. So take minor, take some minor steps, some baby steps and gain some confidence and start stretching your wings out a little bit.
0: Yeah and and to me that's like that's the one upside to the task list, right? Like if you make that task list, you and you start seeing yourself crossing off things on that task list. They may be small things, but you're building confidence that you're doing stuff and you're moving towards your goal every day. And that like that right there is going to build confidence.
2: Yeah, think about how you feel when you attain that goal. You know, I mean, you actually did it, and so it's a big deal, and inside yourself, you realize that, man, I can do this, and that's kind of how I got my start in the, when I was running pizza restaurants, I started just, all right, I'm going to read some leadership books, I got to lead people, I got to figure this out, and they just said, set goals and work to attain those goals, and I wasn't specific about it. But what I did is I got my crew together. We set 10 goals and said, These are the goals we're going after because the vision is we wanted to break 10,000 a week in sales, which would have been a record week. And that was the vision 10,000 in sales. So we set these goals, and all of a sudden, we're all pitching in, we're working, and we did it in like three months. We're thinking by next year we would attain it. We did it in three months, and then we're like, Well, now what? I'm like, this stuff actually works, <laughs> you know? And so we had to get more creative. I mean, it's crazy. And we, we didn't have well-defined plan or anything. I just threw, we, we agreed on 10 goals and we went after it. And we accomplished, we had, you know, 41 record weeks at this place that that I worked. And so, and we were one of the top two in the country when I left. So it's pretty awesome.
0: That's a lot of pizza. Yeah,
2: I've I've kind of been on both sides, either making it or working in a factory that makes it. So I've kind of been been on both sides.
0: I've been on the most important side, the side that eats it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm on that side mostly, yeah. Yeah, well, my evidence outweighs your guys's, So, (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs)
0: So, uh, so let's wrap up here. Um, actually, l- really like this question. So I got it off another podcast, but if you could give advice to your younger selves when you started your reliability career, given what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self?
1: From For me, my advice to me as a younger kid just starting out would, would be would be to listen to what others have to say, but choose your own path. And I think a, a lot of times in, in your career, you're slightly hesitant to things, and in some cases, you blow people off because you think you know more, and, and meanwhile, they're a good mentor for you. And in some cases, you are hesitant to take steps because you you lack confidence or you fear the unknown. And every time I've taken a leap, I've I've uh, I've really been pleased with the results and so you you know regardless of where you find yourself today you can make today a better place and even if you take the leap and it's not as great as you thought you can make it a great place until you take another leap so you, you know i think it's to some extent fear of the unknown and and telling yourself to to just go after your goals and and don't hesitate i would have probably truncated 10 years off of this cycle yeah
2: I think mine is, uh, which in a way, I, I appreciate the question. At the same time, I don't like it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I have to face I have to face myself in the mirror. But uh, you know, for me, it, it would be to work a little harder at some of the things so I could have attained them earlier. Um, that would probably be it. But to be honest with you, I appreciate the route that I've taken because I know if it would have changed, my path might be different and that could be a good thing or a bad thing, but I I'm enjoying the ride that I'm on right now. So I really wouldn't want a lot to change from the past because it's built me into what I am today. And you get to work with me. Oh, so, you know, <laughs> well, I know. I mean, I mean, there's no other flat top in the business like George Williams. That's right. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess I guess last thing before we get you guys out of here uh, plugs. Are you guys going to be at any conferences coming up? Like right now it's mid-July. Are you guys going to have any conferences by the end of the year and then also give us the rundown of plugs. Like obviously reliabilityx.com. They should follow you guys both on LinkedIn and then YouTube, Alexa, iTunes, everywhere, but give us the rundown.
1: Uh, so we've submitted a bunch of papers for, you know, there's kind of a spring and a fall uh, schedule of conferences that take place. So um, we'll certainly be uh, at IMC. We're still awaiting to hear back whether or not any of the papers we submit um, will be accepted. Hopefully by the time this airs, we'll know the answer to that, but either way we'll be there. Uh, we'll likely be at SMRP as well. Um and I think that's kind of the wrap up for the remainder of this year. Uh, I'd like to be at Maximo World, but, um, you know, not really a Maximo user anymore, um, at least at the moment. So we'll, we'll have to figure that out. Uh, as far as plugs, just keep listening to the podcast. We're, we've got a lot of exciting um, guests coming on over the next couple months. Uh, and uh, we're looking to revamp the Reliability Experience show to be a much different kind of show and have a lot of short five minute segments as opposed to one long half hour session. Um, so we're hoping to revamp that and boost its
2: boost its, boost its viewership. What do you got, Joe? Um, also, uh, University of Wisconsin, uh, we're holding uh, courses up there. September, um, I think. years of November, right, George? November, October.
1: Oh, that's right. And a matter of fact, we've got some new courses this year that they're adding. So the University of Wisconsin is is shifting their maintenance and maintenance management certificate program. And they're going to be offering some additional courses that Joe and I will be teaching. Uh, So Joe will be teaching a course in TPM as well as a course in MRO management. Um, And I'm going to be adding a course on an overview of CMMS functionality and utilization. So it's not going to be towered towards a specific CMMS, but it's going to cover uh, all things CMMS.
0: Awesome.
2: Yeah, we have quite a bit going on there. And then uh, Twitter also, uh, George and myself uh, are on Twitter, so you can follow us there. And Captain Unreliability. Yeah, Captain Unreliability is on Twitter. Um, I need to step up my game a little bit on that one, but we're, we're working on it.
1: Yeah. We're not quite as anonymous as we could be with that, Joe, because if we were more anonymous, we could be much more honest with things, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah th- like thanks uh, George and Joe for coming on the podcast again.
1: Well, thanks for having us, Rob. It's always awesome to talk to you and honestly this even this topic, you know we we could have hours and hours of conversations associated with with these topics so we we like the content you that you bring. we like the topics that you want to discuss. Um, so anytime you'd like to have us on you know, just reach out
0: absolutely and and uh, yeah, I appreciate it a lot and and I think that you know this was something that it was funny actually. When I was going down to ultrasound world, when I was flying in, I was reading a book on the plane and it it mentioned like time is the most valuable asset and it's the only thing that you can't get back. And then the next day, Nancy stands up on the stage and says that. And then the day after, I think, Joe, you were up there saying the same thing. And I was like, this is destiny. Like something's crazy going on.
1: (laughs) Nancy must have watched Joe practice. No, I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess she probably did. She probably following the uh, Alexa account. So.
1: No, Nancy's great. We love her.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think she's great as well. And and I think you guys are great. So that's we'll finish off with that. And yeah, so everyone listening, I appreciate you listening. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're interested in getting the task template or the personal development template you can reach out to Joe Anderson on LinkedIn or, or Twitter and ask, and I'm sure he'll send you the, the template for you.